JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from CBS 4 and Fox 59, Mike Chappell joins us. Mike, I do not normally take anything from what you get out of a pro day at all. And I know it's mostly about the interviews and the conversations, but my goodness, Anthony Richardson's athleticism was eye-popping, even as a pro day standard might be today. Well, that's that's building on the, the combine when he just blew the doors off of everything. So you, you just, you're going to have to, this is how it is. A lot of times uh, some guys are more rare than others, but how much do you weigh the, the undeniable athleticism of what he can do and the running and the escapability and the burst and, and the arm that's just rare against the fact that he's started what 12 games, 13 games, so you you are bit. I mean, there's always a risk. There always is a risk. Not so much with a Luck or a Manning, but there's always a, a risk involved. And the only thing I've juggled in my head is I, I've never thought Chris Ballard was a, was a major risk taker. You know, at, at his core, and is he in a position to really roll the dice on this guy? Uh, but if, I tell you, if he believes that with this team and, and with the Shane Steichen that they can tap into what Richardson can do, then boy, it's a, it's a rare, you, you don't want to be sitting there in three years and have Richardson throwing up monster numbers and you're sitting there with a guy that didn't make it or whatever. So uh, monster, monster decisions coming for these guys, but everything your eyes tell you that, holy smokes, this guy is the once in a generation player. But it, it's still about playing the position. And one thing that Shane Sykin said, I think it was maybe it was uh, at the combine, where you, you know you love to have the mobile guy, but on third and eight, a lot of times you have to do it from the pocket. So you still have to be able to play first and foremost, play quarterback. But boy, having having those uh, the other the other parts of your game is rare. And I don't want to say this guy's boomer bust. That's that's tough. But will it take him a year or two longer than others to, to really get ready? So I don't know. It, it's it's a it's a huge flashpoint for the franchise, and I'm really curious how this is going to go. Mike Chapel of CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nines on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. What do you think? Is there more of a risk still? With Richardson than there is with Levis right now, to you? Oh, probably not as much risk with Levis, but I don't think anyone would argue that that Richardson has the, the much higher ceiling. If what you see is what you're going to get in two or three years, so that, that's why I say I, I, I wonder now, now. Maybe the fact that you that you've got Gardner Minshew as that bridge and, and he can keep you competitive next year while that, whether it's Levis or Richardson or, or Hooker, who knows, uh, it really kind of gets accustomed and, and gets in that comfort zone. But, I, I boy, I, I, to me it seems like that Levis might be the safer pick if that's what you want. But, again, then you look at that all that Richardson does, and it's such a small sample size. And to me that, that, that bothers me. It just It just does. I'd rather have a guy that's played more, but at the same time, then Levis has had 
you know, the, the, the turnovers the last two years for a lot of yeah. reasons. And he's been hurt. So that that's why not having one of the first two guys. Now, I say one of the first two guys. Who knows what, you know, Frank and Houston's going to do. Maybe they throw somebody a curveball and they take Richardson at one, which I think would be really a shocker. But it's – and I've said this to you before – I, I would really like to know how Ballard stacks these guys. How they maybe he's got Leverson Richardson ranked higher than these than the other two guys. I doubt it, but just because all the the draft analysts and experts have these guys stacked a certain way, doesn't mean at all that's how Carolina, Houston, or the Colts do. I mean, or or, or one of the other teams. So yeah, that's what it, I'm thinking all, too. It, yeah. It, it, it's like Ballard said, the beauty's in the eye of the beholder. What do you see? What do you like? What do you think you can work with? And that's what the next three or four weeks is going to be about. I I find it hard to believe. I'm, I'm trying really hard not to overreact. But I'm finding it hard not to believe that a team out there won't feel as I kind of feel right now and try their damnedest to get up to number three. If, again, Stroud Stroud and Young, if Stroud and Young are one and two, I mean, to me, I I can't imagine a scenario where another team doesn't get up to number three that wants Richardson. I I totally agree, and that's why if if Ballard and his guys say that in their mind, and they really believe as much as they can, that Richardson or Levis is worth the third quarterback off the board, then you got to go to three. You just have to. Now, if you don't, if if, if it's a flip of the coin and it doesn't matter to you, and you're okay with either one of them or neither, and you're going to go and you're really going to blow the fan base up and take a defensive end. But if you if if you believe one of these guys is 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 that guy and is better than the other one, then you have to go to three because then you control it. If you stay at four, you don't control it because I, I'm, I'm like you. I totally believe because of the way desperation runs the draft and runs quarterbacks, somebody moves to three. I just I believe that. You know how much they would be willing to give up to move up one spot. I'm not sure what it would take. I thought I thought I saw something. I don't remember the exact thing, but when the Bears move up one spot to get Trubisky, did they give up two twos or a two and a three? Uh, I can't remember what it was, but it's going to cost you because, you know, look, look what Carolina gave up to go from nine to one. So, you know, anybody that's going to move up is going to give up a, a pretty good package, probably more than the Colts are maybe willing to give. I don't know. But, boy, if you think that one of those other two guys is good enough, you go get him, and then the, the price won't be too much if he turns out to be the guy you, you hope he is. Yeah, Richardson just looked – Light on his feet. He's huge. And just the quickness in which he gets around the field. I, I mean, I, and I know that, that Shane Steichen has worked with, you know, different variations of the modern-day NFL quarterback. But the most hugely successful, obviously, has been that of Jalen Hurts. And, you know, that looked like Jalen Hurts' possibilities 2.0 to me today. And maybe they sit there and they're thinking, thinking, just kind of smiling, like, man, what I could do with that guy. You know, yeah. not right away, not not in September, not in October, but boy, maybe by the end of the year and certainly next year, look what we've got. And that's why I say this fan base is impatient. They're frustrated. They want to they want to see direction. And that's why if if I think whoever you draft, it's going to be a tough year. Well, I think what Vegas had. Is it six and a half, the, the up and down, or the over, under, and wins, which tells you what the perception is or the expectations. But if the Colts bring in the quarterback and they say, listen, stay with us. It's going to be rough sledding maybe this year. But, boy, look what we've got. And I think as long as you give the fan base a reason to say, you know, we, we see this getting better. We see the light, and it is really bright. I think I think the fan base will be all in. Now, if you go and say, you know, we don't like these two guys, we're going to take a defensive end at four, and we're going to maybe get Hooker later, and we're going to go with Minshew until he's ready, I think it will be a tougher sell for the fan base. I think people are really interested in, in, in Hooker because his numbers were just incredible until he got hurt. 
But, uh, you know, so I, I, as long as you show the fan base that you've got a direction and you've got you've got a young guy that you just did everyone thinks you can build around, I think they'd be fine with it. So Mike Chappell joins us. So what do you think is the toughest sell at this position, either three or four? Let's just say they stay at four. Let's just say the three examples I give you right now will all have availability. Which one's the toughest sell, Levis, Richardson, or Hooker? Well, don't forget Lamar Jackson. Uh well, well be, and we'll, I'll get to Lamar sell. Jackson. I'm saving Lamar Jackson for the final <laughs> portion of this, but just those three I, 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 rookie I think, quarterbacks. I think Cooker will be the tougher sell just because it is an ACL, and I realize quarterbacks, you know, Tom Brady came back from an ACL, but, you know, he's not the same type of quarterback at all as far as mobility. The tougher sell would probably be, wow, Le- after that is Levis, I guess. I, th- I think the fan base would really, really – Phone with the mouth over Richardson because of, because of everything we've talked about. You know, you, you just can't watch him and not just say, "Holy smokes, this guy is is different level at every level." You know, the only question is again, he's got he will need a lot of work, fundamentals, footwork, and all that stuff, and decision making. You know, the one thing that does, along with the lack of experience, what was he a fifty four percent thrower? in college in the short that's yes you can work on accuracy that's a lot of accuracy to work on you're talking you want to add 10 10 or 15 percentage points but but again if Shane Steichen and these guys are convinced that they can do it they've they've got a you know a mound of clay here and it can and and they really can work on it and I have to believe that Shane Steichen has the confidence that he can that he that he can do work with quarterbacks and he can get the best out of them. Again, look at Jalen Hurts on different players, obviously, but but he really emerged. You, you saw the growth and, and then he really emerged last year. So I, again, the the important thing is they've got options, and I could argue up until this year they really haven't had good options to get off of that quarterback carousel and the you know recycled veterans and all that. This is their chance. And it's really the next three and a half weeks or four weeks. This is, well, what, it's four weeks from today. Is that right? Yeah. I think it is. Yep. So, so and, and this will tell you where this franchise is going to be. As, as much as everybody's, you know, enthused about Shane Steichen, it's the quarterback. We've talked about this. It's quarterback. You know, whiff on the quarterback, and I don't care who your coach is. You're just so limited. You know, it's kind of like, you know, look at Bill Belichick. You know, he, he struggled without without finding the guy because I don't know that they've got the guy yet. So get the quarterback and everything is possible. Without the quarterback, everything is so hard. You had, you know, no better example. Two years ago, you've got, you've got a, a running back who has the greatest season by a Colts running back. And this is a franchise that's got Hall of Fame running backs, and you don't make the playoffs because you didn't, you didn't get good enough play I don't know about other things, but good enough play at the quarterback position. So you got to get the QB right. It's just you have to get the QB right. To so Mike Chapel of CBS 4 and Fox 59. Like, I was talking to Stephen Holder about this yesterday. Um, obviously, a lot of Colts fans would love to see this happen. I thought Jim Irsay poured a great deal of cold water on it. If there was anybody that would hype up the possibility of that situation, it would have been Jim Irsay, and certainly he did not a couple of days ago out in Arizona. Your thoughts on any possibility whatsoever? I've said zero, even though it's a great sports talk conversation. People love to talk about it. I don't think it's reasonable to suggest they will do it. However, do you think there's a reasonable chance that they look a little bit more into this situation with Lamar Jackson. Reasonable, no, but it's like the dumb and dumber, you know, so you're saying there's a chance. Uh, but no, I, I wasn't in Arizona, but I, I, I did get access to the audio from Jim and Chris. And I tell you, as much as they say this is a special talent and you need dynamic players, then, then Jimmy spent, you know, 10 minutes explaining why to do that, the disadvantages. You know, he's willing to pay, he said, 
let's say $250 million, you know, from what he said, he would be, he would be okay paying that kind of money, but it's the guarantee part how much you're going to guarantee. And it's obvious Jackson wants, well, what, what was Baltimore offering three years, 133 million guaranteed. And that didn't do it. So what, $200 million guaranteed. And that money's got to go in, a, in an escrow account right away. And, and, and then just the way it, it will, it will impact what you can do with your roster. It just does. You, you can do a lot of strange things and good things with your salary cap just because you can. But that hefty of a guarantee would, would constrict you. And then, oh, by the way, two first-round draft picks. And two or three times in that meeting with the local media, he said, you know, you know that we, we believe in building through the draft. Draft picks are golden. And he, he even talked about how golden second and third round picks are. So I think it's really interesting and it's great talk. And what's Lamar Jackson? 26, I think. But I just, I just don't think the owner and maybe even Chris would, would be when it come time to, you know, when it not cutting time to say, okay, let's do it. I just don't think with everything that goes into it, they would do it. I just, it's too steep. It's just too steep. Yeah, I, and that's why, like, it's it's sports talk gold, and I'd love to be able to lean on it, but it's, to me, just pretty difficult to do so because I have zero belief. And, and, and Mike, I'll get back to Levis for a moment. I had heard their interest in Levis going all the way back to the midseason, and I know that things change. That has been a long time. Who knows? But you know, I haven't really heard much different since then. And I always had thought from that time moving forward that he was he was the guy that they had in mind for this draft because they weren't going to move up. They weren't going to get Stroud or, or Young, and that was what was going to be available, and they liked him. I don't know if that thought has changed. I don't know if that has been realistic the entire time. But I guess I'll go with it until I hear otherwise. Well, you know, one thing, and sometimes you put things together, they mean something, sometimes they don't. I was talking with Peyton Manning about Tom Moore, something I did on Tom Moore last week or whatever it was, and he just spent time with Will Levis and counseling him and all this kind of stuff, and and he's he's very high on Levis, Peyton is. You know, he said, oh, you got to keep in mind he's had different coordinators and all this stuff and changes schools and injuries. He thinks this guy's pretty good. He thinks this guy's going to be pretty good. Well, if he thinks that, I'm wondering if Jimmy hasn't said, well, Peyton, what do you think? And Peyton would try to give us as, as honest of an assessment as he could. So, yeah, we'll see. I, I, again, it's, the only thing that bothers me about Levis, and it's, it's just me, is, boy, he he talks a good game. He really does about – I want to step in and lead a team right away, and I think we can win championships and all this. I, I would. There's always that fine line between being confident and cocky. And sometimes when you're the, the kid coming out of college and you haven't really done it yet, I think sometimes it's better to be a little bit more humble. But that, but that's him. This, this is what makes him tick. Got all the tools. He's got the strong arm too. I always kind of laugh when they go to these pro days and a guy throws the ball 60 or 70 yards. You generally do that, you know, once a game, twice a game. It's more about getting the ball where it needs to be and the touch and all this stuff. But, I, yeah, I, that's why I say it. But, but if it, that's why I say it, if they're really, really in on Levis, I mean really in on him, you, can, you think you can sit there at four? and hope that if someone moves up, they're going to take Richardson. I just don't know how you do that. So that, that's why I say if they really believe he's that good or Richardson's that good, you move to three to get him. You take anything away from the area scouts they sent to see Levis, they sent to see Stroud and Young, and then Morocco Brown going down to Florida today to see Richardson. Is there any takeaway from that? I don't. I'm not sure. I, I, I'd be curious to know how many pro days – Chris Ballard goes to, he went to Quentin Nelson's and <laughs> fell in love with him. He, he yeah. already had, he already was, but that, that's, I, I think the culture of the, and Bell is the kind of guy that that's why you have area scouts. That's why you have college guys that do that. that I mean, if, if you, if you have to go to every one of these big pro days, Alabama or Notre Dame or Ohio state, 
then then does that say you don't have faith in your area scouts? Because you're going to get all the tape. You're going to get all the information. Now, maybe sometimes you just want to see the guy in person to see what kind of – like he talked – Chris talked about the, the, the aura of Quentin Nelson just walking past him. Uh, so sometimes that's important. And maybe Chris had nothing to do that day, so he went to Notre Dame's pro day. I don't know. But I don't think – you know, it's – it's. I do remember that when Peyton had his pro day in 98, whatever it was, they didn't send like 12 guys or 15 guys like Carolina did, but all the main guys were there. Ursley didn't go, I don't believe, but, you know, it, it was the, the coaches and Tom Moore and Pullian. Uh, but I, I just don't think Chris is a big pro day guy and that he believes that's why you have your scouts and you trust he, he trusts his scouts. So I don't read a whole lot into that. And that's why I don't read a lot into and, – and we all ask it at the Combine. Well, hey, have you met with the Colts? Have you met with these – well, you generally meet with everybody. But if they have an interest, they, these guys will be in here on those top 30 visits. And that's when they think they really, really have, you know, invaluable face-to-face with these guys. All the other things you're going to get, the tape and the guy's game tape from his career. So they'll, they'll have all the information they'll need when it comes time to make the decision. Mike, final thing, quick answer, and then I want to play off of your quick answer uh, with the rest of the question. Do, do you believe that, that Jim Irsay wants to be not just a voice, but the voice in NFL circles among the the owners in the NFL moving forward? Because I do. Do you believe that? The voice, one of the voices. He, he, yes, I, I think he really – and that's him believing – that the league is is bigger than each team, and you have to do things for the league. He really believes that. Yeah. So I, it, and, and I yeah. think I think league wide, he has more clout than people think he does locally. I I think he's one of the stronger owners, and I think he would like to have a strong voice in a lot of things going on. Remember back in ninety, I'm getting my years mixed up, but he and he, he and Bill Polian had a, had a lot to do with the, with that CBA that got going. Back in 92 or 93, whatever it was, he was one of the guys that helped architect that. So he's a big league guy, and I think he takes that serious. Whenever you hear him talking about guarding the shield and the Hallises and the the Roonies and the Maras, he believes that deep down. So, yes, I think he very much wants to be not maybe not the voice, but one of the strong voices in the league. Do you think that has played a role as to why he's downplayed the whole Lamar Jackson thing because of uh, the guaranteed contracts well, he and what he, what he what he knows the other owners want and I know I know that it's it's the price it's the price tag but I'm just curious what you think and how you think that may play a role in what yeah. his limited interest in might be in Lamar Jackson well I mean it, it was obvious that what he said is at his core he believes that guaranteed contracts are bad for the sport and, and as much as I'm a player's guy, get what you can. I'm not, you know, look, baseball guys, basketball. I remember back in the day, the Pacers were paying Jonathan Bender like six years after he was gone and all that. So I, I just think that, that there are negatives on guaranteed contracts. And, and that's at his core, that's what Jim Irsay believes. And remember, it, it is pretty interesting that maybe, not maybe, I'll bet the vast majority of owners believe the same way Jimmy does. I really do. And and he was the voice. Remember when the Washington commander stuff was going on with, with Dan Schneider? Yeah. Oh yeah. And it was and it was Jim Mercy that came out and said, This guy's bad for the sport. We need to get he needs to sell the team. And I'm sure the vast majority of owners felt the same way. And and, and Jimmy didn't care if there was going to be pushback because of his skeletons in his closet. He he believes that strongly in the league and what's good for the league, and he is not afraid one bit to be the the voice, like you thought, the voice in those regards. And I think he, he relishes that that chance to kind of, in that, in that case, be the voice of the league. I just, it just makes me wonder, and I know we're talking about the price tag and, you know, why that's a turnoff regarding Lamar Jackson, and there's no doubt that's legit. But it kind of makes me wonder as well how much of, you know, wanting to be that that leader, that lead voice in NFL ownership circles, 
uh, that would lead him not to have any interest in Lamar Jackson because normally, I mean, this would be right up his alley. I mean, it would be right up his alley to want somebody like this and to win because Mike, he has promised so much around here to the fans that has not come close to being true. And you know that that eats at him. And if there is a quick way to get back into it, he would love it. Even though he's talked about how there's no quick fix on this, he would still love it. You cannot convince me otherwise. Well, I don't know whose question it was during his interview. That was a Monday night. Maybe it was Zach Kiefer. And he once again, he mentioned, we want to get this right because, you know, I'm, I think he said, well, I'm 63 and I'm, I don't want, you know, one Lombardi. I want multiple Lombardis, you know, because he, he's, he understands the clock's ticking on him. It, you know, it's ticking on all of us. But when you get, when you start getting a little bit older, you start thinking, boy, I, I got to get this done. And that's why I think he realizes that this decision, you know, the, the quarterback decision, whether it's a rookie, whether it's Lamar Jackson, whatever, it's going to shape this franchise for the next, I don't know, what, six, eight years? Because if you're right, it'll be eight to ten years. If you're wrong, then in three or four years, you're going through this all again. And that, and that's you can't do that. So I, I, that's where I, I do think, again, he's always, he's always looking long-term. He's always looking your spot in history. And this team, I realize it's tough to see this right now because of how they've been, but this has been one of the better – Franchises, you know, what, what was his upper quartile? Go back to yeah. the Jeff Saturday interview, but but it, it is a fact that it, since 2000 they've been one of those teams. But it's also a fact you've not won a Super Bowl since 2006. So it, and that's why you play that. That's why you spend the money. That's why you do all of this. And he very much is driven by that. And and that's why anyone who says he won't do what it takes to win are crazy. Sometimes he does the wrong things, and he and he overpays. I'm not, you know, he went out of his way to mention the Carson Wentz thing. That he said, you know, I wasn't in favor of that. Well, we know that, you know, that that was Frank. But but that's why I think maybe this past year he's done a couple of things out of character for him with with making decisions. That's how badly he wants to win, and that's how badly he thinks that he knows instances he was right. But there, there's there's no question that he's driven to win. And that's why I think he'll do just about anything it takes to win. I'm just not sure that I – I think Lamar Jackson's a bridge too far. So, Mike Chapel of CBS 4 and Fox 59. Mike, it's always a pleasure. We'll see where we are with this in mind coming up next Thursday, man. Thank you. Thank you much. Stay in touch, bud. The film Air is set to come out. And I could not be more happy to welcome in our next guest for the first time on our show here in Indy. Um, His role is played by actor Matt Damon in the film Air. Let's welcome in the great Sonny Vaccaro on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Hey, Sonny, it's an absolute pleasure to invite you on the show. How are you, sir? I'm fine, and I'm I'm better off right now than I was one second ago because I'm talking to you guys in Indianapolis, which knows a heck of a lot about basketball. So let's go get them. <laughs> we love basketball around here. You, you know, it's funny and I'm talking to, we're both talking to a lot of people around here in central Indiana. You help shape basketball for us. And I'm not talking about dribbling or shooting or passing, but with, with what we wear and you help shape it at a time when it was it was necessary, and with that film air that has been released, what did you think about that finishing product that is about what you accomplished with Nike, what you did with Michael Jordan back in the mid '80s? So we're talking about it now, after the forty years, right? Yeah. What do I think now, or what did I think then? No, what, no. Well, we'll start with now. What do you think about the finished product? And then we'll, I want to I, double back with you about how it evolved okay. when you were actually doing it. But what do you think about the film in general, Sonny? I think I can tell the people listening to you today that I, I you know, if I said I'm proud of it, why wouldn't I? Right? I'm involved, in, you know, vicariously and personally with this movie. But what it's going to do? Explain in three and a half months. One individual, Michael Jordan, and another individual, Sonny Vaccaro, and a couple other ones up Nike, including the, the president and the owner, Bill Knight, had no idea what they were even going to do before they start talking about signing a player. What transpired, what, what I watch on this movie, in the, in the two hours it is, 
how it, how what do they say atrocities and baked or some stupid thing. But now they're gonna, now they will find out. To, it's only nine characters, I believe, in the movie, but that's all there were involved, that was involved with. You know, Phil and Rob Strauss are giving me permission to go find a player that will help sell a shoe someday. So to tell you anything other than I am astonished, I, it's unbelievable when I'm talking about something that happened 40-some years ago, but more unbelievable as I go through those years personally, I, you know, I was involved in basketball before they went to an all-star game, a lot of people know. I was involved with representing some players going to the ABA. I was involved in basketball most of my adult life. But I wasn't involved with Nike until 1977 when they asked me to pay college coaches. I told them to pay so they can put their shoes on high school kids who were now in college so that we could sell a shoe because they had nothing to do with basketball. They had one college before. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Well, they met me. Now, the University of Oregon, I think that, you know, they gave them to Oregon. So this is not negative. This is what the times were. Converse, you know, to extent Adidas, the foreign company, and maybe sometimes Pro Kids, had a whole thing, a whole industry done. They asked me to find somebody. I watched somebody, but I'm going to tell you that movie. When you're finished with it, however you feel about me personally, or Phil Knight, or Michael Jordan, forget that. Get rid of the personal animuses. Just see what Jordan did. See what I saw in that movie. I saw a small group of people and one individual, Michael uh, Jordan, Change the course of an industry. No, not shoes. Marketing. Yeah. It was a shoe. That's what it was. There were millions of shoes before that was the Air Jordan shoe. There were other players that wore it. Stan Smith started with you know uh, him and, and tennis and all these sort of things, right? Golf. You had like you know golf and other things, but you had a shoe, right? Congress had everybody in a shoe. Very few people like played did anything. That tennis shoe at that time was everybody's, everybody's what we wore. But Jordan called the bluff for everywhere. Phil Knight, you know, he gave the money for the bluff. I had the idea for the bluff. Today, I will say to this audience, Michael Jordan is GOAT. There was a GOAT every every generation. Somebody was GOAT. Will Chamberlain was GOAT. Larry Bird was GOAT. Everybody's a GOAT when they're playing. I, I don't want to get into who's better, LeBron James or this guy or Kobe, whoever, right? But I want to say one thing to this audience right now. The movie will show that Jordan changed the world by making an article, a shoe, a, a, a business, something that would live forever. When Michael's gone, Air Jordan will never be forgotten. That logo will never be forgotten. And also, professional athletes, I don't think there would ever been, I personally don't think there would have been another athlete could have did what, what Jordan did. He changed the world around. Now, they're selling replicas, they're selling somebody at war shoe for millions of dollars. That's not a players, that's not teams, that's individuals that, that like have collections. So Jordan changed the world in marketing. That's what I remember from this movie, because it'll tell you how it happened. Um, Sonny Vaccaro joins us. Matt Damon plays the role of Sonny in the film Air. It's Air Courting a Legend, and Sonny's kind enough to join us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Sonny, I don't know if you remember this or not. I'm betting you probably do. But it was during the 84 Summer Olympics, and, and Bob Knight, the head coach of IU that, that coached the Summer Olympic team at 84, had a quote about his, his vision of Michael Jordan be the, being the best player he had ever seen. And a lot of people still go back to that and saying, wow, what a vision he had. He was on it before anybody else. What, what gave you the thought that what you were getting into with Michael Jordan was was going to be jumping on board with the greatest at that moment that we had ever seen. I knew could I because John Thompson, I believe, was uh, his you know people involved with the, that that '84 team in the and George Raving, my best man, was an assistant coach, and I knew about Michael Jordan because he beat Georgetown, my favorite team in the world at that time, with that shot. But what Bobby Knight said. At, at that time, 
Okay. Now, Michael did not win the NCAA championship his junior year. We all know that, right? They didn't right. do anything after that freshman year. Bobby solidified anyone's mind in the world that this kid would be great because that was not a, a trait of Bobby Knight. He never before, and I don't know ever after, picked out an athlete, and he's had great athletes play for him at Indiana, okay, and other places. He's seen talent when they were five years old. He verified. I don't think Bobby ever made a statement like that before or after. But his name gave credibility to my, my vision. Yes. That, uh, that always stands out because regarding Michael Jordan and where it first started, Sonny, I, I look at you and I look at Bob Knight as opening all of our eyes to what Michael Jordan ultimately became. And you two both, I think, from that respect, were the visionaries for what we know Air Jordan to be and what we know Michael Jordan to be today. You know, in life, as we go through whatever vocation or nothing, whatever you do in your life, somewhere along the line, a stranger enters into it. Some way, even if it doesn't end up positive, okay? There's always that thing, once you leave the ties of your home, your, your family and all that, there's something that happens to you that makes the light bulb go up. I, like I said, I knew who Bobby was, and obviously I did, but my point there is, we had so much in common in other things. Both of us had detractors in a lot of other ways and things that we did things, okay? And we both believed in the way we did things. I believed in Michael Jordan. I didn't have the personal chance to be like Bobby, watch him play, go against him. I only saw him one time, and that's when he made the shot with 18 seconds to go and that clock start running. I only had that memory. So for Bobby to back up what later was my bet that, you know, like my life, I, you know, everyone knows that I said that, you know, I'll bet my job on it. I wasn't making $5. But my point to you is, you know, that, that thing helped me through my life because it helped me get Michael Jordan. Yeah, it's uh, Sonny Vaccaro joins us. The film Air is fantastic. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, the stars of that film. Sonny's kind enough to join us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And we're just talking about, you know, the shoe and the player here. But did you have in your mind the social explosion that that product was going to have? And, and, and really, there are so many different, I, I like to call it, I guess, offshoots. Um, of of the Air Jordan product. I'll give you a great example. I wore throughout high school, I was in high school in the mid to late 80s, I wore Nike Dunks. All right, I, I wore the Nike Dunks that St. John's wore. I was always a huge fan of what Georgetown wore that had Hoyas on the back. Were you ready for that social? Did you expect that social explosion that came with the release of Air Jordan back then? No, I wasn't thinking of social show, things in, in shoes. I was thinking of social life in, in the United States in 1984. We just got through the 60s and 70s. I'm old enough to have gone through those years. I wasn't really conscious of that. The one thing I was conscious of, they asked me to help save the Nike. They said, let's make a bet. Let's sell some basketball shoes. Remember now, the world wasn't running out there. Those shoes were successful. In fact, the most successful shoes at Nike were the basketball shoes. And because of the college teams that wore the basketball shoes, I understood that part of the world. I never dreamed this was going to happen. But what you just said resonated into something, into infinity. It just keeps going. After Michael's gone, after Phil's gone, after I'm gone, after whatever, the legacy of Jumpman, not so much even Michael Jordan, always going to be Michael because he did it, right? But Jumpman, the first, the first that, that picture, do you, do you also want to put including it to your audience right now that we're selling a multi-million dollar movie, they are, on one word, air. Is there any? Now, we can use air anything in the world. We can use the air we breathe. We might die if it's bad. It may, we may die by this air we have in the country now. This world, right? It's defining a movie? But everybody, millions of people know what the heck that word meant. It's not Air Jordan. You know, it's not Michael Jordan's air. It's just the word air. Michael Jordan, well, that that shoe was going to live forever. That that iconic one with the Jumpman, the you know the red and black shoe, because nobody wanted it. Imagine that. Yeah. It was boycotted by the NBA. 
I mean, yeah. David Stern and all his righteousness, all that bull crap, right? We went against the grain. And Rob Strasser said, I'll pay the fine in this movie when you see it. My point is, it went against everything in, that someone believed was the right way. Nike did the wrong way. Not illegal, not bad, and including me. What the hell was I doing making it? But they only asked me because I knew these kids for a draft choice and what would put a shoe on. I didn't know. Air Jordan wasn't discussed the first time. The time I had the message and I sold Robin and, and Peter and, and, and Phil, give it to one guy. Because my belief then, and I know we're on limited time, what the hell are you giving three people to shoot for? If all those guys are going to do would be somebody pretty good. This kid, I believe, you know, I believe, could be great. That's what I was looking for, and I didn't know him. That's the good part. Hey, hey, Sonny, I know you got to run here real quick. i got a final thing with you. I, I've always thought about this. I don't know. There may not be an answer to this question because maybe there was not a runner-up. Maybe there was not a second place, but at that moment in time, I mean, you had Olajuwon, you had Ewing, uh, you had to a degree a year prior, Drexler, you had all these these names, you know, coming out of college and going to be established in the NBA. You had Michael Jordan as what you wanted your product line to be about. Was there a runner-up? Did you have somebody else in second place in mind? I, I, I never did. I know. I, I, I want to tell you, I, I swear to God Almighty, I didn't know. Also, you left out Charles Barkley and John Stockton. Yeah, because right, I, I mentioned I mentioned the other five guys who were in that room with me. They all were higher in stature than I was. I was only the, the college guy with just your stuff. I didn't live in, like, the movies that I lived I didn't live there. I went a couple days a month, and I went home, okay? Just, I was a normal employee. But I never had a second place. That was my whole thing. Because I remember I was a guy named Howard Schlesser, who you would know, a big-time agent in football. He held everybody out. Remember Howard Schlesser? He passed away. God bless him. But my point, I want to tell you, no. But the, the consensus would have been Charles Barkley and John Stockton and the other guys you mentioned. But Charles probably would have been with somebody else, not by himself. If I don't convince Phil to give me all the money, they split that 500000 And you know what? They were all good. Four or five of them were in the Hall of Fame. I'm not saying they were bad. They didn't do good. But it's quite obvious. And, and listening today and playing results, Charles is the most charismatic right now of all that. I mean, but you know what? Charles has shoes online. You know what? Charles is great. Charles is everything you want in a commercial, but he does a thousand of them. He's funny, he's articulate, and he sometimes bothers a lot of people. But that's Charles. But nobody could have done it in 1984. Why? This kid was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. And the other part is, he overcome 52, 52, you know, you know, days he missed on injuries. And he'd come back, and he was greater than ever, and, and Spike Lee and everybody else made commercials. And that's what started the market. I'm going to have to pull it on you guys, but that's what made it. Michael Jordan made it. Sonny Vaccaro's with us. I know you got to run here. If you wouldn't mind, I, I would love to, at a later date, get back with you because I, I kind of want to go longer form at some point Let's with your career. If you would not mind, is that okay? Let's do an hour. I love to talk. <laughs> Call me. My God. I swear to yes. God, I'll do it. I'd well, love to do it. I'm going to. I'm going to put you on hold here with my producer. No, no, no. I gotta I'll, go. I gotta do this other one. You know how it is in your business. You guys well, call my wife. You want to have the I, number, I will. Okay? I will do that, and I want to get you back on because I want to go longer form with you when you have more we, time, we Sonny. Goodbye. Thank you I very much. You. You're a good. You're a good. Goodbye. I love you. Okay. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline, friend of the show, former Hoosier, former coach, former player, cool all-around dude. You also hear him more than occasionally doing the midday show here on The Fan. Let's welcome in Dane Five. Hello, Dane. How you doing? Johnny, how are you? You a big baseball fan? I love my Tigers. I'm getting ready for their game. 
Oh man, that was last year was a mess, Dane. A mess. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I was invited by uh, our our, uh, our favorite friend Brad Clapper down to the Alley Bar and Grill. Dan Bailey, owner. They start out right. with a great uh, opening day uh, event featuring Brad and owner of Chocolate Moose here in good old Bloomington, Justin Lovett. Right. Right. It's, it's a good opening day event. Well, we're, I, one of these days, we've got to get you up here. I know the place that you're talking about down in Bloomington right now, too. So this is a uh, Clapper put-together event. Is that what you mentioned? That's what you're doing? Yeah, it's a Clapper put-together event. Probably won't feature too many people. Not everybody shows up on his behalf. And I'm just hoping they got my Tigers. It's <laughs> a big one for the Tigers. Certainly, certainly no chicks are showing up is what you're telling me, right? Oh, there's no question. It'll be all men. <laughs> All men and one clapper. <laughs> clapper. Clapper's always good at uh, putting together a really solid Boy Scout meeting, isn't he? Not bad. Uh, just the, you can count on any event Clapper has for the food to just be horrendous. <laughs> it's day five with us. I know you spent some time with Dusty down in Boca Raton. Uh, watching him go through practice, and then we've watched kind of together this this Owls team evolve over the course of a Conference USA season, and now obviously in this march to the Final Four. Nate, what's impressed you the most just about this team in general? I mean, we can point to guard play, um, you know, certainly the way these guys hang and play together, you know, shot-making ability, clutch time too, but what stands out for you about this team and, and this remarkable run they've been on? Well, I think Dusty really does a good job of putting it into words just as far as uh, what I observed, especially with the way they play together. I, I think I don't think Dusty is, is – he's not the type of guy to give himself any credit, but I think Dusty deserves a lot of credit for the way the team is playing. When I left him, when I was down in Boca Raton this January, stayed at his house, hung out with his family, hung out with his players uh, and his coaching staff, I was just awestruck, and I sent him a note when I left, and I just talked about what an incredible leader he's become. Uh, I've always felt Dusty's a great leader, but the way his players responded, respond to him and react to him uh, and trust him, and I think the key word there is respect him, um, I thought that was a critical part. Uh, and I also, just the way he operates his staff, oper- uh, deals with his staff, I think he's got a really good staff. But um, his staff really reacts to him and responds to him with a, with a respect that, you know, many coaches would love to receive. So Dane Fife on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You know, he told me, I think it was in the midst of that 20-game regular season run they were on, he says, if you watch this group, uh, you can see these guys are so coachable to an extent yeah. to where you don't necessarily have to guide them every step of the way. I'm curious. I mean, you've been at each level here. How often does that occur when you have players that you trust to execute to the point to where they're together? And I'm not just talking about one leader, but as a team. How often do you see that at the college basketball well, the, level? The word is, you know, a team being connected. And it's very hard to get a team to that point. You have so many, right now you have so many outside influences. Um, it is just really hard to, it's always been hard to keep everybody happy. But right now, especially with like social media, I mean, I mean can you imagine playing a game in your rec league on Sunday mornings? And, <laughs> you know, your coach, your, if, if your coach has, it's hard enough dealing with egos, but then, yeah. you know, JMV reads a tweet from somebody he doesn't even know. It says he deserves more shots. Yeah. And he actually believes that guy, that person on Twitter, more than believes his own coach. And I think it creates a sort of delusion. And if it wasn't hard enough prior to social media uh, managing a team, it's even harder. So when you see a team like Dusty May, like Florida Atlantic, like the Owls, Hoot Hoot, um, they're such a fun team to watch. And keep in mind, they have players. I mean, we talk about, uh, okay, Cinderella, mid-major. All these teams have players that either 
started out at a high major program or could certainly play at a high major program. But I think by and large, each team, I mean, we talk about San Diego State and um, Florida Atlantic, who are probably considered mid-majors. Each team had players that started out as high majors. Vlad Golden comes to mind, started out at Texas Tech. These guys, they belong there. I mean, think about the. Tell me if you agree with this or not, Johnny. Would you say that, like, I've followed Florida Atlantic. I'm sure you have, too. This isn't your typical mid-major. Like, I expect them to win. I expect – it's not like, well, I hope, okay, now they, they can run in. They've met their matches. It's Memphis. It's San Diego yeah. State. It's Kansas I have I've expected them to win every single time. I just think they're that good of a team. They have the pieces to where, especially in an NCAA tournament, you can be in for a long run, especially at the guard position. And I would also tell you this. You look at Conference USA. They are in the postseason 17-1. and one. So Florida Atlantic's in the Final Four. UAB and North Texas later on tonight in the NIT Final. Charlotte won in the CBI. I think Rice in the CBI is the lone team out of that conference to take an L so far in the postseason. I know people are going to kind of laugh at this, but that's a, a damn good conference to get you prepared considering what these teams have done, you know, united in this postseason to this point. Well, I, I agree. I think I think Conference USA didn't get enough credit this year. They certainly didn't get enough credit. Yet. I thought UAB was – I watched them play uh, Dusty Stead. I watched them play Florida Atlantic twice. Um, and – they didn't get better. I saw them earlier in the year. They didn't get better at the better, uh, better at the clip that uh, Florida Atlantic did. But nonetheless, they're showing how good they are being in the NIT championship tonight. And we're talking UAB. I don't think Commerce USA got enough credit. North Texas, you know, they beat Wisconsin, who was borderline NCAA tournament team. Um, you know, I like to compare Conference USA to the Mountain West, the, the conference that San Diego State's in. Uh, I think it's right there with the Mountain West if not creeping above uh, the Mount West in terms of how good they are and the depth they have in their conference. You know, in terms of Dane Five joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. In terms of just incredible, compelling stories as coaches go, you know, we'll get to Danny Hurley's with UConn in just a second. Jim Laranega back in the Final Four again. What he did with Miami has been incredible. And we talked about Dusty and what he's done with Florida Atlantic. But this is somebody I'm sure you know well because he spent so much time uh, at Michigan with the Wolverines um, and then obviously with Steve Fisher as an assistant at San Diego State. You talk about a dude that has grinded to get where he is right now. A longtime assistant, got that opportunity, has taken over and taken San Diego State to the Final Four. Your impression on the season and the coach that Brian Dutcher is at this point in time going into the Final Four? I've known Brian Dutcher since I was probably five years old. And uh, ever since I can remember, he was at Michigan, either assistant GA and his dad, Jim Dutcher, my dad coached with. And Brian Dutcher actually, um, he was on my, uh, he, when my brother Dugan was on his official visit to Michigan basketball, Brian Dutcher basically hosted me, myself, and my other brother, Jeremy. He took us out to dinner quite a bit. Um, so I know Brian Dutcher fairly well. Uh, he um, and then I was recruiting a guy by the name of Brandon McCoy, who ended up going to UNLV. And but when I was at Michigan State, and I spent time with Brian Dutcher, so I couldn't be happier. You know, I had a quote today about culture. He goes, "When you're at some place, 24 years, you know, that's culture." And I think um, you know he's 57 when he finally got his first got his first head job. He probably could have had a few, but you know, loyalty and family and things like that probably play a role. But um, here's one for you. Brad Clapper gave me a, <laughs> gave a great comparison. I'm not sure I okay. agree. You'll have to, but Jim okay. Laranega, a replica, is, is um, what do they call someone that looks like someone else? Doppelganger is Larry yes. David. What do you think? Larry, Larry David? David is, is that the right? Uh, Seinfeld, uh, writer. Yeah. Producer yeah, Larry, Larry Curb David. Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, That's what yeah, yeah. Clapper what thinks. Think? Does Clapper have eyesight? Like Bernie Sa- no, I, well, he's, he's, <laughs> he's having some old age problems. I think he looks more like Bernie Sanders, and that's not an insult. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't know if he looks like either one. I'll have to put it okay. to a vote. I, I think okay. you guys, I think you guys got a little pre Ali Bar Bloomington situation working there right now. <laughs> 
I'm not quite sure <laughs> you know. I think JMB's pleading the fifth. No, seriously, I've not thought. I have not thought one ounce about him looking like either one. That's pretty weird. I think you need to. I think you need to. I think you need to (laughs) add that into your mix when you watch a game. Doppelgangers. Yeah, you know, I do. Jim Laranega, it's interesting too because Dusty had told me that, you know, after last year, I guess Florida Atlantic, you know, was a tight game, and you know, the Hurricanes ultimately won, and. And Laranega is not going to play him anymore, which is, is kind of funny. And then they both end up in the Final Four like this. Man, in this world, you mentioned the world in which the coaches live in right now and, and the obstacles of social media. But, you know, what about, you know, the accompanying NIL situation and the transfer portal where I, I can't imagine right now, well, I, I know for sure that Dusty's guys, for example, are, are being recruited and are prepared to be poached. That's not something you worry about right now. It matters at hand is winning a game in the national semifinal. But yeah, how much of that yeah. is you think Dusty's going to have to deal with once this thing's over? Well, it'll get interesting. Um, I think when you do, when you have a team that connected, uh, that close, you know, he talks about, Dusty talks about nobody really cares who does well because night in and night out, you know, you're going to have a different guy when, you want, when you're with Fort Atlantic, um, you know, play well. They've got, they've got four, four guys averaging right, right around the 10 to 14 area, and that's true. You never know who's going to lead them in scoring every night. It could be John L. Davis, who is their leading scorer. Elijah Martin, uh, number 15, yeah, he was the leading scorer the last two years. So, and Vlad Golden, you know, big seven footers, he has potential to score. Uh, you know, he can he can put up big numbers. So, uh, I think though, when you when you talk about other teams poaching uh, players away from certain programs, I think Dusty already he already said it publicly that there's people doing it right now, and that's just yeah. the way it works. And and you know, it's subtle. It's hey, how you doing? Just calling to see how things are going. What are you thinking next year? You think they might throw out you thinking of going pro just fully knowing they have no chance at pro. Well, try to go down that go down that road of getting a certain player to talk about perhaps transferring to a higher level. But um, I, I, I just think, you know, it, it comes down to trust, respect. Um, and, and I don't think Dusty really will have a problem because, uh, you know, with, with people, people, people poaching. Because I don't think uh, the the money number is going to be so big in terms of NIL that that they can pry one of those players away. All right, other side of that, I mentioned Miami, UConn, the favorite now because they can do Dane so many different things. They can play big and beat you, go a little bit smaller and beat you. They can beat you with outside shooting. They're athletic. It seems like the Danny Hurley a year ago learned that you had to have more shooting, got athletic. And that has been the magic touch, certainly, throughout this tournament so far. Hadn't been a lot of tests for the Huskies. Do you expect them to get one in that second national semifinal against the Canes on Saturday night? Yeah, I, I expect UConn to uh, to uh, cover it for, for all yeah. you gamblers out there. I think UConn, um, they've got unbelievable depth and depth in scoring. Um, they rebound the heck out of the basketball. Uh, they've got a plus nine rebounding margin, and that's just something that's that's hard. If you're not going to make every shot, uh, and you're Miami, that's that's a problem because I don't think uh, Omer from Miami, who dominated Indiana on the glass, is, is going to have the same effect on a guy like Sonogo and then you know um, big big uh, big Donovan yeah. coming off the bench. Um, and then, you know, otherwise the numbers are pretty even when you look at the stats between UConn and Miami. And these are uh, the full season stats and not in conference or even narrowed down to the uh, last four games they played in the NCAA tournament. But uh, the stats are pretty even. But then when you go to the rebounding numbers um, and you go to uh, the depth uh, of scoring with UConn, I, I think it's – and then the defensive numbers, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's what stands out. And I, and I just think Miami's going to have to just hit some, their guards are going to have to hit some bombs because that's what they're going to have to take, some deep threes. And, you know, astonishingly enough, 
Uh, I, I think one would think Miami shoots the ball better um, or, or at least makes more threes than UConn, but these teams are right about even. They're both making about nine a game, and they're both shooting about 37% from three. So uh, I think the coach in me says UConn's going to blow them out, and the gambler in your world will say yes to <laughs> Hey, are you back on the midday show anytime next week? Uh, Monday and Tuesday. I got. I got. Well yeah, the midday show is that. That name is so bland. Whether I'm a, I'm on there temporary or not, I'm making a demand that my show gets a name. <laughs> Tuesday with Fife. Oh, that's so creative, Johnny. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> I love it. His friend. That's pretty good. His friend is Claps. Spread Clapper. That's with him right now. All right. Hey. Don't let Clapper get you in any trouble, all right? Enjoy your Boy oh, Scout will. meeting. I'm sure it'll be a blast. And my terrible food. I sure will. <laughs> all right, Dave. I appreciate you, man. We'll see you all next right. week. Yes, sir. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Speedway President Doug Bowles is here. It was very fortunate we had you here because that was the first of our many talk-ups to your Carb Day concert that was officially announced earlier today. That's David Perner and Soul Asylum. And Brian Adams, who's on a world tour right now. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited about both. I think it'll be a lot of fun. You know, we talk about this a lot. It's hard to find 80s bands that are still the uh-huh. bands that we listen to and, or that we haven't had at the Speedway already. Mm-hmm. So, so to get Brian Adams there, you know, and I tell people, pretty soon we're going to probably have to go younger. Uh, but well, right you now, told me that last time we you, talked. You know, yeah. And I think you, it's going to happen in the next year or two. But I'm excited at Brian Adams. He's a great, great show. That Reckless album alone, yeah. people may not in their mind know Brian Adams. You listen to that Reckless album, there's five yeah. or six songs that everybody knows. Well, I mean, they, they, he has a catalog of the 1980s. Yes. And really, he also blends into the 90s as well. Some people kind of forget about that. But what stands out to me is... He was on a world tour, and Indy was not on the schedule Correct. initially. And he's playing Madison Square Garden, the, the TD Bank Garden in Boston. He's playing Wells Fargo in Philly, he, Bridgestone in Nashville, all the big arenas. How did this work out for you guys? I think for him, it's just the idea of playing on Carb Day at the Indianapolis 500. The Indianapolis Motor Speedway is a pretty big deal, and he knows it's a party. Yeah. And he is a party band, you know, right? Yeah, there's and there's no question. he sings, it, yeah. is, it is party music, so it, it's going to fit really, really well. You know, I lived part of my younger adult life uh, uh, with uh, uh, an album of his and a song called 18 Till I Die was sort of my anthem, right? <laughs> and you think about some of the songs right. that, that he has. He's got some great ones. Uh, it's not a party. You know, it's stuff that yeah. Beth, Beth and I together well, I connected mean, it around. Cuts Like and, a Knife, Run to You. I mean, all, he has a great yeah. duet that he sings by himself uh, that he does with Tina Turner. Yep. It's Only Love, yep. which is a great song as well. Um, Heat of the Night is one, I think, Heat from 1986. It's a great song, right? Yeah. And so, even his, what, his first hit was Lonely Nights, I think, and, and from an album that I don't think he's really proud of, but that's a song that... This Time is another Brian Adams another classic. Great one. Absolutely. So. so there's some really, really great songs, so... I got a question for you because I'm intrigued, right? Like, yes, how do you come up with the bands? Like, like what's, what's the process? <laughs> right? Because it's got to be a big He's saying, process. Somebody else is asking me this besides JMV. That's good. I, I'm just yes. I'm intrigued because there's so many to pick from, right? And, and, and every year is a different, it's, whole different group. And I, I love it. I'm just intrigued because I'm a big music yeah. fan, right? How, what, walk us through the process a little bit. So it's a question I get a lot. And John and I have talked about this a yeah. lot on the air. There are a lot of bands, but you really can't pick from a lot of them because what happens is, especially now in this world where you've got the live nations of the world and the big arenas of the world, artists wait until they can pull their schedule together to go to those big arenas. And then they start thinking, okay, now what can I do kind of one-offs? I'm a one-time promoter, right? I promote one event a year, basically. And so then, then you say, okay, here are the people that are available. Let's ask them. And then you have to make sure that their radius clause doesn't get them in trouble. So, like, if you play in Louisville, and you do it within a certain time period, you probably can't play in Indianapolis. Right. So that's so you've got this radius clause, you've got timing. Um, and then for us, it's what what do we really want? And we're still sort of in that 80s piece for Carb Day, but I do think there'll be a day when that changes a little bit as, as our folks get older. But that's really where we get to. And you start looking at, okay, here are the people that are interested in a one-off. And then 
some people when they want a one-off, they go, oh, it's a one-off. I want a million dollars. When maybe they're only getting two hundred fifty thousand dollars in a, in in a normal world. Sure. And I don't think people understand how much music really costs, right? People think, oh, oh yeah. fifty grand, or, but it's it's. You're well into, we're into the multi-millions of dollars in terms of what we spend for our music. And then that didn't include building the stage Absolutely. and all the production and all the other pieces sure. that you have to do, cover their hotels, their travel on top of their fee. So it's, it's a whole balancing act. So do you get a list of, hey, here's, here's kind of the, the genre that you want to go after and here's who we think's available here. And you got kind of whittle it down, right? And say, here's yep. three that we like. Let's talk to them and see what works. Is that kind of how? Six, right. You'll go out to the three or four major agencies and, you, and they know our event. So they'll say, here are the 20 artists we have that we think make sense. And here's what they cost. And here's whether or not we think they're available. And then you just start knocking them off. And, and the phone calls these, come in and, 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 and see if it all works, right? That's all. I, I appreciate that. I've always, I've been intrigued, right? Like it's a right. big, it's a big thing. You know, you're, you're bringing a big, big show to Indianapolis right. and, and, and Nothing better than the Indianapolis 500, right? So, is, so it's got to be a thing for a lot of them, too. Wow, I get a chance to play. So you get a lot of them. And the other thing we like to do, too, is if, if they can, we love to have them stay over. Get them in a two-seat ride yeah. on Saturday. If we can keep them in the parade, that's great. If we can get them in on, on Sunday, that's even better. So trying to get folks to, to really enjoy the weekend. And we, and we offer, obviously, we're paying them. But the other thing we offer as well is if you've if you got family, we'll make it a family weekend for you. There's all kinds of things that's we cool. can do in Indianapolis to make it a family trip. Very Speaking cool. President yep. Doug Bowles with us. So Brian Adams is Canadian. And given the fact James Hinchcliffe knows everybody in Canada, uh, they prior acquaintances. You know, that's a great question. I have not yeah. heard from James. I'll have to. I'll see him this week. I in thought the he Texas. knew everybody in Canada. Yeah, the mayor, the mayor of Hinchtown. Uh, you think <laughs> you think that he would? Yeah. So that uh, now, how long did this take to evolve? Was this just recently when you not when you locked this in or? How'd this go? So to really transparently, mm-hmm. um, the contract got signed on both ends this morning about six. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> well, it's real fresh. So, no, but, but what happens is we agree to it. And then you and then so you agree to sort of the fee. Yeah. And then you have to go through their riders and then you start negotiating through the riders. And then and what was interesting about the negotiation with Brian is he he was involved in it. I didn't talk to him, but through his agency, so they'd pass everything to him. A lot of folks just let their agency do it, but Brian liked to walk through everything. So even the artwork, he wanted to prove all the artwork. So, But we've been working, I mean, we've known that this would be our announcement for six weeks or so, but just getting things done and buttoned up, it literally happened overnight. This, this That's this a, yeah. And uh, how'd you come across Soul Asylum for the the opening? So, the, so once so once you figure out who your your main actor, because you is, do strike the '90s chord with Soul Asylum. Yeah. So then you start looking yeah. at who's available. That's that's gonna that, that that will be a good show. And then you work with the with the main artist to make sure they're okay with that opener. And you know, there's. You know, Runaway Train, everybody knows Runaway right Train. On. They may not know they know it, but they've heard it. It's, it, well, it plays in background. Michelle and I are somebody to shove, folks, right here. Okay, We're that's a, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to give me somebody to shove. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm excited about that one, too, and I think it'll, I think it'll, be, a great, it'll be a great opener. It's cool. Anybody else, or is that, that that's it? That's it. We're, we, tried three, we tried three last year, which was fun, yeah. but challenging to do three acts and get it in the right time, especially with the rain, the way that we had the rain. So we're going to just stick with two this year. All right. So also, Summer of 69 may be the most often played 80s song. It's got to be. 80 stations around. Pretty close, right? That thing is played all yep. the time. So that well, is. Well, that's off that Reckless album, yeah. which is an outstanding album. You guys got time to stick around for Absolutely. a minute? Absolutely. I've uh, still got some Miller Lite left. You I got understand. that. Speedway President Doug Bowles is here.